0: This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash XM
1: clearance
2: welcome everyone to another episode of the nba podcast today we're going to talk about the warriors on a rampage we're going to give some post-mortems to the western conference teams that will be headed toward the lottery in a month or so and we will also talk about sam hinkey possibly making it back into the nba before we get underway just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod in there you can find all three of our twitter handles so give us a follow as well you can find us on iTunes, so we'd love it if you subscribe, download it, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback you can provide. And you, we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so follow them on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. I know it's a rough time of the season with the playoffs coming in a couple weeks, but we've got some great content, a lot of good MVP debate especially, which we have intentionally tabled for a week or two to let it all play out. But if you if you want to read about the Russ and Harden stuff, especially go check out.
1: Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to sixty percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids styles at kid size prices. Just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to sixty percent off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy com valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance
2: fan rag sports all of that said i'm joined this week as always by morton jensen and sarah chilea how's it going you two
0: going well brian
3: pretty good
2: sarah I, it's been a weird week for you because your mm. spurs dominated the calves on monday and then the warriors came to town and uh well, the Warriors reestablished themselves as the, the the favorite to win a title this week. I think it's fair to say
3: they did. I mean, if they ever weren't, but yeah, <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yeah, fair. They they did. Also, we should mention they gave a non-update <laughs> on Kevin Durant. They basically said he's progressing as normal. They're going to reevaluate him in seven to ten days. He still may return by the end of the regular season, but it sounds like he is on track to return before the playoffs. So. Before we dive into our postmortems, Sarah, I want to talk to you a little more about that Spurs-Warriors game. Uh, you know, for a while, like, the Spurs get off to, what, a 26-5 to start. It looks like they're just going to cruise the Warriors on the second night of a back-to-back. And then the Warriors turned it on uh, and went, what, <laughs> it was like 105-74 to to close out the game, something like that. So... Uh can you talk about some of the, your biggest takeaways from that game and if anything you saw that worries you for a prospective playoff matchup, you know, in the conference finals?
3: A lot of what it did was, you know, just reinforce things that we know if we've been paying attention all year to the Spurs, which, you know, I mean they they've had a lot of lulls in games where their offense looks really really stilted to say the least. Um, and then defensively, sometimes they have trouble communicating, especially with pick and rolls. But I mean, it's not especially worrisome. I think I think Spurs fans, you know, every now and then it's good to have some perspective. So it's a really good team that we get to watch, but. The, the Warriors have always been far and away the favorites. You know, the Spurs are not supposed to beat the Warriors. Ideally, <laughs> if you get up 22 points, you'd like to finish the game out. Um, right. But to have a lead against them that early, I never felt like the game was safe. I don't know why anyone would have. Um, you knew they were coming. And unfortunately, the offense stalled out fast. Good, <laughs> right. things, good things the Spurs did. They um, started out the game hitting the offensive glass really hard and we've we've known that that's a formula to try to beat the the Warriors. You have to win the turnover margin, the rebound margin, especially if you can't shoot with them, which the Spurs, you know. There's very few teams that can, maybe the Rockets or the Cavs when they're on and they have all their shooters available. Other than that, you got to board, you got to turn them over, you got to capitalize on their turnovers. The Spurs ended up with 17 turnovers. That's not going to work. Um and you you have to really defend and communicate. And the Spurs had a lot of miscommunication problems towards the end of the game. So I, I like how they started, obviously. It was pretty good. Um, but overall, they just didn't stop anybody. Like, that's about right. as well as top to bottom the Warriors can play. I think David West had a season high. <laughs> freaking uh, Iguodala was fantastic for them, really got them back in the game. So you got to stop something if <laughs> they didn't stop <laughs> anything. So. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, you know, if they see them down the road, they'll correct a few things. I think it was great for Kawhi to see probably the best defense that he could possibly face come at him the way that playoff teams are going to come at him with the double teams. He's seen it a lot over the last couple weeks, but that was the best defense possible. Um, And actually, when I went back through the tape, I thought he handled it pretty well. Um, He was definitely off shooting, and he made a few bad passes, but he responded pretty well. So... I'm happy with it, and I think they can learn a lot from the tape. And the good news is, we don't have to worry about it for a long time, if ever. <laughs> right, so right. If, if that's we true. get to the point where we have to worry about it, that's a good thing. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fair, yeah. Point. fair point. I'm glad you mentioned the double teams with Kawhi, especially, because that mm. caught my eye as well. Uh, there was a piece on Bleacher Report recently, I think Mike Ryan, Mike Monroe wrote it, um, about LaMarcus Aldridge, and they brought up the... the fact that like look teams are going to double Kawhi in the playoffs we need la to step up and you know shoulder more of an offensive load so we have kind of that double threat but both of you guys have been driving the Kawhi for mvp train so mort uh do you think his performance against the warriors does anything negative is that going to shift the scales too dramatically um and how do you think the spurs have to respond in the playoffs if teams do double Kawhi?
0: No, I don't think one game matters at all. Kawhi has, has taken a team that is now without Tim Duncan and is just putting him up to a league level, league high level. I mean, look at the way they're playing. They, in any other year, they would be the league's best team, right? Right. It's just because they just are up against the, the Warriors. So, you know, I'm not really concerned about that. Besides, I have a feeling that you are going to end up winning this whole thing brian i think it's <laughs> going to be hardened. it seems that buzz is fl- buzz is flying that way i overwhelmingly disagree with the choice but you know <laughs> so be it uh and in regards to Kawhi and the double team i mean look his playmaking is what's been crapped on a lot this year which is partly why he's probably not going to win that mvp mm-hmm. uh But I'm not really that concerned. Like Sarah, I see the silver lining here. The fact that he's being doubled is is pretty good for his development. Um, The the way that he handles it is going to be key moving forward. What I want to see is some guy from the Spurs to step up scoring-wise, so Kawhi has that passing outlet. I'm kind of hoping, (laughs) even though it's not going to happen right now, at least not yet, but I want to see Deontay Murray get in on the action a little bit more. I think the way that he cuts to the basket is so dangerous that... It could be a way that if, if Kawhi sees him cutting, he could hit him with a bounce pass or something before the double-team arrives. And I want Kawhi to really watch Michael Jordan saves. Like, we know he's watched Kobe a lot. Mm-hmm. Michael handled double-teams probably as well as anybody ever did. When he caught it on, like, the little block, wherever he was... He would survey the floor. He would position himself in a way that he could survey the floor, and mm-hmm. all depending on the direction of which the double team would come, he would spin the other way for either a fadeaway jump shot or a pass to the or a skip pass to the corner. It was just and it was instinctive all the time. Kawhi, I think he's going to be similar in that regard if he at least studies it because you know Kobe did somewhat the same thing, not as not as well as Mike, but. He was close to it, and I, I'm kind of dicking that Kawhi is looking at these isolation superstars, really, because yeah. that's that's so not Spurs, and yet he is going to have to play that type of game once in a while because there's, they lack alternatives.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I think you could be... He's not going to be Carmelo Anthony. Like, he's not going right. to be a complete ball stopper, but it, like, to take that final superstar leap, you need to have that mentality of like, all right, it's late in the game. We need to make a shot. Like I might have to create this myself, and I need to be willing to pull the trigger. Whereas, you know, a couple years ago, it was clearly Tim's team. Still, Tony Parker was a little younger. Manning was a little younger. Like he was just not the number one option. Now he realizes, like, it's my team. I really need to be willing to take that shot. I need to have those moves in my arsenal. So, I'm with you, Mort. I, I really, I'm. A, I did not see that type of development coming from him especially this quickly um, which has been a very pleasant surprise so (laughs) Sarah I'm sure you could agree with that.
0: You think robots think that way though? (laughs) Right, that's a a fair question.
3: I gotta jump in on on your question though uh, Brian because I had a feeling you might go there on the MVP question Um, Ethan Strauss of ESPN tweeted out after that had happened Golden State's road tour of MVP candidates. Westbrook 4 of 16, 15 points Harden, 5 of 20, 24 points. Kawhi, 7 of 20, 19 points. So
2: there
3: you go. he's right there in the median for scoring, and he <laughs> shot a better percentage than both of them. Still mediocre percentage, but, I mean, just because the Warriors do that to you, I don't think that, that says a lot <laughs> about right. your MVP candidacy. But yeah, I agree, I, I think you're, you're probably going to win out. Um, and to be fair to Morton and I, I think we knew Harden's numbers were going to be disgusting. We just yeah. didn't think Houston was going to be good enough for it to matter. But right. they are
0: so yeah yeah well i i my my projections to to harden's numbers they were actually a little bit higher than he ended up getting uh mm-hmm. because i remember i suggested 32 points 10 assists mm-hmm. and and you guys were like yeah probably probably and he's, <laughs> he's actually less than that and we we're still like yeah he's probably gonna win the mvp it's it's kind of fun seeing that because even then when i said 32 and 10 i was still on Kawhi's mvp though yeah and, yeah and Kawhi did even exceed expectations this year, at least from the general public's perspective, and yet Harden is in the lead. Go figure. I don't I don't get it. I mean yeah.
2: Yeah. We we'll we'll have a full MVP debate in a couple weeks. I just wanted to bring that up. And Sarah, I'm glad you immediately rebutted with how badly <laughs> Harden did the other night. You know, he is dealing with the wrist injury for what oh. it's worth, which I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how that affects him down the stretch. Like it's pretty clear he needs to rest and you know he didn't fare that well against the Blazers on Thursday night he had a bunch of turnovers in the fourth quarter like they are so solidly in that number three spot that he could rest for the rest of the regular season and they would still like their seating is basically locked in so I'm really I'm kind of nervous that he's gonna try to play the hero and like wants to seal up the MVP because Russ is right there and you know uncorking 50-point triple-doubles against Orlando. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be really interesting if he like if he refuses to rest to guard that MVP, but that comes back to haunt him in the playoffs. That's yeah. something to keep in mind moving forward.
3: He should rest. But but it's awkward when he just came out and said, you, know, <laughs> right. you should win MVP yeah. if you, you play every game and you're there for your teammates and you don't let them down. So that's, he put himself in an awkward position on that one.
2: Yeah, and Patrick Beverly did the same thing. He said, "Like you're basically uh, there's no room for resting healthy players." That said, if he's resting, it's you know he's not healthy. Like he hurt yeah, his wrist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guys, guys take off games if they're hurt. So that's something to monitor moving forward. But I I wanted to not bring up Tony Parker, Sarah, because you made me promise I appreciate not that to so on much. Twitter. <laughs> we will we'll talk then about I will
0: Tony. Go oh no. For it. Okay. So so look, we have to talk about it. Yeah. He had an over. He laid an egg in 24 minutes, and he is looking so so bad right now. He he he's not just a step slow. He is he is unfathomable slow. I mean, he's looking like a guy 45, not 35. <laughs> and I think what AC 34 right now. I mean, all his mileage has been spent. Just all those deep playoff runs. I, how do you justify starting him next year or like? Keeping him as one of the primary guys on the roster with, with major responsibility, you don't. You can't anymore. He's a complete and utterly liability right now. I, and that's harsh, I know. Future Hall of Famer, he's great. I love him. It's, it's nothing to do about that, but, I mean, he, he can't really defend, and now he can't score anymore either. He's not really a great facilitator. Like, what does he offer at this stage?
2: Sarah, I'll let you take that one. <laughs>
3: It's so hard for me to talk about Tony, though. Like, I can't slander Tony. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's really spotty. It's really (laughs) spotty when he's able to contribute at this point. Um, Because it's just... And and we've noticed this over the last few years, but, you know, more so this year. He can't shake off those little nagging injuries or those hits Mm. that he takes as quickly as he used to. That's just the reality of aging. I, and when I thought about it, I remember now there was kind of a, a drive in the Cleveland game on Monday. He went in for a layup and he kind of took some contact. I don't even think it was a foul. I think the the defender kind of went vertical, but there was contact and, and Tony came away from it kind of holding his hip and talking to the referee and, you know, he probably was still feeling that two days later. You know, it's just, he can't shake it off like he could when he was 25. But I don't know. I think that's, which is you know, fair. That, yeah, and that limits I mean, his effectiveness. But right now, there's not a lot of wiggle room. And, you know, you're asking about next year. We'll have to see what they do next year. I have no idea what they're going to do, you know. Yeah, if if he's anywhere anywhere else and anyone else but Tony Parker in San Antonio, is he a starting point guard? Probably not. No, but, no. But, but this is, you know, that's the situation at the moment. And, mm. you know, DeJounte Murray is still, at, at the moment, he's hurt. And when he's not hurt, he's still a rookie. So... I'd love to see him get opportunities, but I'm not sure Pop's going to do that in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, for the people who say he's unplayable uh, unplayable against Golden State, okay, you can't play Patty 48 minutes a night, you know. Yeah. There's just, there's no, just right. not a lot of wiggle room right now, so it's going to be what it is, and they're going to have to find other answers. I, I don't know. It's it's not a, an optimum situation to be in, but... but uh, we're gonna ride with Tony till the end.
2: <laughs> ride or die. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll have to see what happens. I mean, there's as you've said, Sarah. There is a lot of time before the Spurs need to worry about mm-hmm. a Golden State matchup. If anything, Houston comes first. So, or I guess actually, Memphis is probably coming first. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need to first worry about Memphis. Then we could talk about Rockets and. Warriors down the line. Mort, we need to give a shout-out to your Bulls. The TNT Bulls struck again. 20 straight wins on home Thursday night games on TNT. They beat the Cavaliers, swept the season series with them because it's just so Bulls to do so. Uh, Mort, have you, A, made peace with the fact the Bulls are going to make the playoffs? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that they're... The rest of their schedule, I think they have seven games left. I think they have one game against an above 500 team. It's like yeah, New York, They have Orlando. the most favorable
0: ske- schedule at all mm-hmm. uh, compared to Indiana and Miami. They're probably yep. going to make it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: He stayed it, up to watch a loss last night, and they won.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I did. I stayed up because I wanted to see the Bulls actually break this four. Godforsaken streak, thereon, on, which I have <laughs> no idea how it's, it's done, but. Uh, like, I, I think Sag Lowe said something today in his yeah, column yeah. about <laughs> Bulls fans. Uh, he's never seen like a fan base being less enthused about a team making a playoff run. Right. And he hit it right on mm-hmm. the head about that with that one because no one wants to see this because it would justify the way the team was built which was so wrong and it would justify management's presence there even that, no I, honestly it probably wouldn't but that would be their defense to it so i'm just i'm hoping everything implodes internally <laughs> i mean I, I i never root for injuries so i won't go that far sure. but like yeah. i i will root for illness because that's not an injury <laughs> i hope everyone <laughs> gets caught by a, like a huge bug like Norovirus, right. that's horrible. <laughs> Hope they go just, on a that, cruise ship. I just want you know, fifteen guys to have the runs for two weeks. Okay, that's, <laughs> oh, that's where we're God. at.
2: <laughs> I live too close to the Bull Stadium for that to happen. That means I'm probably <laughs> getting sick too. So, hard pass there. I do want to ask about their opponent, though. The Cavs now are eight and eleven since the All Star break, which is tied with the Pistons, who we all admit are just a train wreck. Is mm-hmm. it time to start worrying about the Cavs heading into the playoffs?
0: Yeah. Yeah, now it is. Um, we had this debate earlier in the season, and I wasn't really that concerned. But given how they played recently and their body language in terms of on the bench and everything, it just seems like something's off. LeBron didn't take questions with the media last night. They just... He he rushed out of the door before um, Ty Lue came in or whatever. It was just like he was out of there. He wasn't in the mood. I think someone said on Twitter. And so you you get the feeling that there's something's something's going on in that locker room. Like Kevin Love, the way he played last night, it was like he didn't want to be there. It's almost like he intentionally picked up fouls just to get out of the game quicker. He <laughs> was just he was he was hacking and reaching and just. You didn't look engaged at all, and I, I'm not sure what the hell it is. But the cohesiveness defensively is just gone. Offensively, they're not really that a juggernaut as well. It's more or less all LeBron and Kyrie. I mean, mm-hmm. and and it, they're got a little bit more ISO heavy now, and I'm I'm not taking the way they they're playing, and I think I don't think they are either. So it's what do you guys think? It's, is it something like behind closed doors?
2: Uh, I would. I mean, I'm hesitant to say it's bad chemistry. I think a lot of it is like they've been banged up all year and they just haven't had their full squad for, you know, J.R. Smith was out for a couple months. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Love was out for a little bit. Like, they, they've been, you know, they just haven't had that time to develop that chemistry, especially with their new guys, Darren Williams, Kyle Korver. Larry Sanders isn't even playing right now. He's in the D-League. Um, that said, like they have the second worst defensive rating since the All Star break. So, like we, you know, we talked at the trade deadline when Toronto got Abaka, um and Washington got Bogdanovich. Like Boston, Washington, and Toronto are all legitimate threats to knock off the Cavaliers. Like they're, the Cavs are not going to have an easy second round matchup, assuming those three teams advance. And if one of those three teams does not advance, that probably means Milwaukee did and Milwaukee is also playing very well since the All-Star break. So, whoever the Cavs get in the second round is not going to be easy. I'm I'm worried too. I, I you know, I thought it was overblown for a while, but it's unless LeBron just has another gear where he plays like 40 minutes and just starts pulling out Russell Westbrook 50-point triple-doubles every night. It yeah. it does seem like something. I don't know. I I I'm still hesitant to say they're not the favorites to come out of the East but I think their margin for error is significantly smaller than it was than what I thought it was a month ago, I'll say that much so
0: so I have a question for the two of you and I hate the fact that I'm asking this question because (laughs) I don't want to be in this position let's say Cleveland ends up with number one, they overtake Boston again, they finish first in the East, Chicago makes the 8th seed (laughs) yeah (laughs) Would you trust the Cavs to get past the Bulls in the first round, given how they played in the regular season against them?
2: Uh, I so I think. Where did I say? Especially I think I if all
0: the games are on TNT. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, that's the question. Do they have a Thursday night home TNT game? <laughs> <laughs> because if so, the Bulls are winning. Oh,
1: uh, I think.
2: I, yeah, I saw this on ESPN. Right. Uh, where was, It was somewhere. I think ESPN. Where they had a graphic of like the two teams that have beaten LeBron teams 4 0 in the playoffs. And I think it was this year's Bulls and the 2013 14 Brooklyn Nets. And I want to say the Nets then proceeded to get swept in the playoffs. That was when LeBron was still in Miami. So I'm not putting too much stock into regular season results, but that said, I. I would kind of root for that scenario, if only to see the reaction from both fan bases. Because I think Bulls <laughs> fans would be just as upset that they won, that Cavs fans would be that they <laughs> exactly. lost. Exactly.
0: <laughs> like this, this is a scenario where Bulls fans could be upset at actually beating the defending champions out of the playoffs, even if that right. happened. Like, God damn it, we, we progressed to the second round. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Like what? This is this is like absurd way of uh, looking at the season. But it's, yeah. It is what it is, I, I guess.
2: Sarah, are you worried about the Cavs at all?
3: Yeah, they, they look pretty terrible. So, and there's legitimate concern there. Um, like you said, the main problem is defense. And we, you mm. know, when they made some of the moves that they made to pick up shooters who aren't great defenders, we mentioned mm-hmm. it, but I just think, you know, it speaks to LeBron's greatness that we all figure, oh, it's not going to matter. <laughs> you know, they'll right. be fine. He's got this under control. Um... But they're they're really slipping right now, and as to Mort's question, I you know I have no idea if it's internal locker room stuff. But being that they do have some new faces, I mean, if you're not that tight and you're struggling, it can cause some rifts. So maybe you know there's some finger pointing going on, but hopefully they could they can figure it out because I know everyone's counting on them to get to the finals and give us a good finals part three. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens. But, but yeah, they, there's definitely some problems right now. they got to figure yeah. that defense out.
2: Well, they have 15 days to figure it out. Tyron Lue did say he has some sort of secret plan that he's going to unveil during right. the playoffs to fix their defensive woes. So let's just hope <laughs> his plans are better than Donald Trump's secret plans. Um, all right, let's move in from one train wreck to another. We're going to start doing some Western Conference postmortems for teams that are officially eliminated from the playoff race or just about officially. Let's start with the Lakers, who we discussed a couple episodes ago. On that episode, we were talking about how we were nervous about D'Angelo Russell, and then Mm -hmm. shortly thereafter, he went off for 40 points. Obviously. Uh, Yeah, right, naturally. So, Luke Walton has moved him predominantly off the ball in the last couple weeks. He's been playing Jordan Clarkson at the one and D'Angelo at the two. Uh, What do you think of wrestle not as their full-time point guard
0: well i kind of like that and i said as much when he was drafted like a lot of people pegged him as like a clear-cut point and i was never on that bandwagon i wanted to see what he could do as an off guard being relieved of his ball handling duties not not that he can't pass he passes very well but he i I would want them to explore his scoring possibilities a little bit more Mm -hmm. and it seems like that's going fairly well i mean after the 40 point game he followed up with 18 15 22 28 14 so there's a bit of a margin there but still it's not like he had one of those oh one for seven games right it seems like there's like a level of consistency that he's reaching now that he didn't before and that's what i've been looking for from him i'm not sold on russell with the players still i mean mm-hmm. if they get offered i I've said this before, if they get offered a top five pick in this draft, I would do it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still, I'm liking what they're doing with him at least. Like if this is the way that he's going to play from here on out, being more consistent and getting the, uh, getting the ball more off the ball in that sense, shooting off the curls and whatnot. Yeah. Why not? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm taking what they're doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I really do like, How he's been playing especially because right before this he had gotten benched and he just looked totally checked out for a few games so it's nice to see him kind of hitting this stride i want to ask you this since you're the draft expert of the three of us here lonzo ball has been making no secret that he wants to be drafted Hmm. by the lakers he's i mean he's from la he played at ucla he's got la ties it's not just the hollywood stuff but given what you've seen with Russell now at the two, more do you think he and Ball could coexist well?
0: Yeah, I. I here's the thing, because for, I mean, they have to get the top dra- top three draft pick anyway, so it would right. be in that range. It would be either Foles, Lonzo Ball, or Josh Jackson, probably maybe jason mm-hmm. Tatum, depending on workout. So that would fall in that range, and as such, yeah, totally, that would make a hell of a lot of sense to him. Um, he's. And not, he's not really that ball dominant as a scorer. Lonzo Ball is. He's mm-hmm. more of a facilitator. He can spot up and, and, and run. He can he, because of his size, he can rebound. He can take the ball off the back court and run, which I think is exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought D'Angelo Russell would be a better rebounder. I thought he would be kind of the coast to coast guy. He's he's not really that guy. I think he would be better having a ball dominant in terms of the passing skill a uh, guy next to him who can also defend twos.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not that neither is a great defender, but I do think that Ball's intelligence projects him to be a, a better defender overall. His positioning is better. Russell, is he gets lost just on screen work, which is pretty horrid, really, when yeah. you're in your second season, that deep into your second season. So I, I would definitely love to see those two together. And then jordan clarkson could come off the bench full-time as a combo guard that is really the role i i like him in as well so having that three-headed monster of ball russell and clarkson intertwining on the two positions mm-hmm. sure then then you can kind of say okay we we got the guards thing figured out now we we have to focus on the rest of it but because right now the league is uh, i mean we gotta admit the, the lakers right now one big question mark like is any position certain at this point not really Right. I mean, so if they could get their guards locked down and like solidified, that would open them up to focusing on other areas, which they are in dire need of. Like, I mean, Brandon Ingram, I'm not even sure right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, ball would would be beautiful there.
2: So that leads into my next question. I'm going to throw this one your way, Sarah, because as Morton mentioned, the Lakers have a lot of young talent. You know, they have Russell, Jordan Clarkson, they have Julius Randall. Zubac is playing well. He hurt his ankle last night. I think it was a high ankle sprain. So he might be done for the year. And there's only you know two weeks left. He, it seems like he could be out for a while. Um, they have Larry Nance Jr., who I know you love, Sarah. So, mm-hmm. do you think they should just continue along this path of building around these young guys and taking their lumps for another year, or is it time for them to start packaging some of these assets? and trade them for a star such as Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, all three of whom seem like they could be very easily acquired this summer.
3: Right. Um, I think, you know, if you can get a guy like Paul George or Jimmy Butler, I don't want them to sell the farm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> but, but um, you know, if they could put together a package that works for both sides of, you know say, Randall and or Ingram if you're getting your, uh, your three back of the future. I mean, we talked before about the win now thing is a dangerous thing. You don't want to sell off your future. I don't want to re, re- hit the reset button on the rebuild. Um, but, yeah, if you can keep Clarkson, if you can keep Nance, I- I'm happy with keeping a few of these guys if we can get, you know, Butler or George. The problem is... You know the the Dang and the Mozgov um, contracts are gonna hurt their flexibility a little bit mm. in, in being able to do something like that, but but I wouldn't be opposed to at all if they can try to make it work. Keep keep a few of those those young guys. I'd be for it.
2: Yeah, so I think a lot of it is gonna come down to what happens at the draft lottery. If they mm. keep their top three pick, then they could probably package that with. One or two of their other young guys, maybe they right. do their top three pick plus Ingram, and that's enough for Butler or George, or you know, maybe you have to throw in Clarkson or Nance or someone too, or even Zubach. But like, I don't think you have to sell a farm necessarily. Yeah. Um, and that said, if they keep their pick, their unprotected 2018 then goes to Philly, so they have no incentive to be bad next year, like they have incentive to be good to make that trade look worse. So, yeah. that I think if they keep their pick a trade becomes more realistic, whereas if they send their pick to Philly, then they probably have to... They can't trade a pick until 2021 because they would then owe their 2019 one to Orlando. So then they probably would have to sell the farm for Paul George or for Jimmy Butler. And, you know, Paul George has said he wants to come to the Lakers, so hes he hasn't said it outright, but, like, there are enough reports that basically he is <laughs> leaking it left and right. Uh, so it seems like we're in that situation, like, the... Knicks were with Carmelo back in 2011, where he was more or less saying, like, I want to come to New York. I'm willing to sign with you guys. Just don't give up everything. And then they proceeded to give up everything and you know, lost the chance to actually com- contend for a championship, because they like, suddenly didn't have Danilo Gallinari and Mozgov, and they gave up Wilson Chandler, too, and a couple draft picks. So, you know, I, I think it'll come down to the draft. Mort, I want to ask you this, since Jimmy Butler could be one of their targets. Would Brandon Ingram plus that top three pick be enough straight up for Jimmy Butler?
0: I mean, when you say top three, like, where does it land? Because if it lands at three, no. It has if to be it, lands, if it lands on two, maybe. If it lands one, yeah. Hmm.
2: Okay. It's, it's Mark Fultz for me. It's Markel yeah, right. Fultz all the way. But you wouldn't do it if it was... Three,
0: I wouldn't do it if it was three, no. And also because I'm not that big of a believer in Brandon Ingram.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Interesting. I <laughs> I, I would be more inclined to say yes, because I feel like Jimmy's just going to bounce in two years anyway. But uh, I can see where you're coming from, at least. Especially because if you get three, you have to figure faults and Baller going one and two, so you're probably going to get Josh Jackson, and it seems like Josh right. Jackson and Ingram are going to play the same position. So.
0: Exactly, that would be redundant. So yeah. you would need like and, and you would need a guy to score. Like if yeah. you trade Jimmy Butler, like who do you have and if you get Josh Jackson and Brandon Ingram back, uh, the Bulls would be lucky to average 80.
2: Right. So maybe because, if it yeah. if it's number 3, it would be like D'Angelo Russell and number 3 instead for Jimmy. Would you do that?
0: Oh, uh, D- DA at number 3? Yeah. That that would definitely be a lot sweeter. Okay. Um Oh, that's a tough one because I mean, look, I would I would even go as far as saying I don't need Ingram if it's number one.
2: You would just do number one straight up, Jimmy
0: Butler. It's for Markel. Probably, yeah. yeah like, wow. okay, no, I, I would. Here's the thing: I would probably take that and then a future, couple, uh, a couple future seconds, as well.
2: Okay, Yeah,
0: and then Supak.
2: Yeah. yeah, they would. That they thing owe, we can... If they keep their pick this year. They owe their 2017 and 2018 seconds to Orlando, but they could throw in. I don't think they have commitments down the line, or they could probably buy some from Philly because Philly has yeah. four this year.
0: In, t- in today's market, market, we've seen that you can find value even on in the undrafted guys. Like Sam Hickey yeah. really paved the way there. We, mm-hmm. We've seen Yoki Farrell bust out on the scene. So yep. I, I'm sensing that the worth of second round picks are so much more now as opposed as it was like five or six years ago so Mm -hmm. i would take as many second round picks i can get in addition to like the top overall pick obviously because you would need a star Uh, because you can you can find gems in the second round i mean easily in today's game
2: i mean too much
0: was a second rounder exactly Exactly. exactly Yeah. Like, And next year, I mean, this is one of my hot takes. Uh, Kay Felder, next year, I think he is going to be absolutely fantastic. And the the Cavs got him at, what,
1: 54?
2: Yeah, somewhere around there. And yeah, uh, Malcolm I, I would... Brogdon, like, the one of the Brokden rookie of already. Year, yeah, yeah, man, excellent the example. The year front runners. Right. Yeah. Willie Hernan Gomez was 35 a couple years ago.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. so give me all the damn second runners. <laughs> right.
2: Okay. I mean, I guess if you think about it, you know, Kevin Love got traded for basically straight up for Andrew Wiggins. I mean, Anthony Bennett was also in the deal, but that was like Yeah, the, that that's was the Anthony fire. Bennett. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I guess faults for Butler straight up isn't as crazy as it might sound. Uh, yeah, it's an in- interesting... Well, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about the Lakers come May 16th or whenever but, we record around that
0: well, week. Well, there is one note, though, mm-hmm. because this was some sometimes... Hashtag Bulls Twitter. Sometimes we have <laughs> a lot of debates amongst ourselves. Sure. Um, we go on big rants and we we try to solve the world's problems. And one thing that Bulls Twitter and I agree with this have come to an, an agreement on is that when the Butler trade is, if there is a Butler trade, it shouldn't be the current management that should pull the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. Like we would want different guys. To actually pull the trigger, like a Mike Saren or a Sam Hinkie, for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's oh. that's my that's my name, that's my guy. But we we just it's the fact that it shouldn't be guard packs because th- they will blow that deal. Right. Uh, I mean, that, this that's where the trust level is. I mean, they couldn't even get the Cameron Payne, Taj, Gibson deal, right? They just <laughs> right. had to throw Doug McDermott in there as well, like, in a second. and a second
2: round pick, yeah. That's <laughs> what they
0: do. I mean, overall, they gave up, like, what, five draft picks for McDermott, and then they gave yeah. up McDermott and a second round for <laughs> Payne, so essentially, yeah, yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Basically, yeah. you wouldn't want guard packs to do whatever Butler trade is in the cards.
2: Right. That's a fair point. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns, who have valiantly tried to out the Lakers to no avail. Because <laughs> the Lakers have really... I think they are 2-15 since the All-Star break. No one was out tanking them. Uh, that said, they did shut down Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, and Tyson Chandler for the year to get some of their young guys more run. Uh, Tyler Ulis has been playing well with Bledsoe and Knight out. Marquise Chris, the number eight pick from this past year, is also playing well. Alex Len is showing some flashes. Alan Williams, I think he was one of our crushes a couple weeks ago. He's been balling mm-hmm. out. Uh, so the first question is, Sarah, I'm going to throw this one to you. Alex Len is a restricted free agent this summer. Has he shown you enough that you would re sign him at a reasonable price?
3: At a reasonable price. Um... I'm I'm fine with letting him walk honestly but they are going to need a center Tyson is obviously you know getting on in years
1: um
3: there's there's not I mean I'm not familiar with the draft so we can throw that to Morton I don't know what kind of centers are going to be available but um as far as free agency I mean you could could potentially replace him with Mason Plumley cheaply and be fine um Linux potentially. But, you know, yeah, I mean, if you can get him back for a reasonable price, I don't think there are a lot of teams itching to throw money at him, heaps of right. money at Alex Lentz, so that's fine. I mean, I don't think it's their biggest area of concern. So, you know, you can bring him back. He's he's plenty serviceable. He's not, like, you know, the, the greatest thing. But, but you know, <laughs> yeah. centers are, are not the most important position at this point in the league, so... That's fine. You're
2: just saying that because you don't want them to go after Deadman. I'm on to you. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you, why'd you have to bring that up? Oh, I'm on to you, Sarah. All right, boy. right, I'm going to throw this one to you then. Uh, so they they have, you know, I think it's fair to say if they could find a taker for Knight or Chandler, they would do so happily. Yeah. Bledsoe is the question mark here. Do you think... They should keep building around him and Devin Booker, or is it time to turn the team over to Devin Booker, who recently went off for 70 points, by the way? Um, do, is it time to turn the team over to Booker at trade Bledsoe yeah. this summer?
0: It, it is, mostly due to the injury concerns, hmm. mm-hmm. because it's every other year. yeah, um, Like clockwork, unfortunately. So, um, I, I just don't trust his, his, his body anymore. It's He's 27. It's not going to get better. Uh, and he, and he's in Phoenix, where you have the best medical staff, anyway. At least last time we checked. Right. So if if right. they can get him on a, a right course in terms of his body, and then who can? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, ship him. Hope that you get something of value in return. Preferably a young guy, and then build around Booker. Uh, um, and if you can get Tyson and, and Brandon gone as well, the better. I would probably keep Alex Len just for insurance purposes, Mm -hmm. but like Sarah said, reasonable price. Right? It it would have to be like he's he's had over five thousand career minutes and he hasn't gotten significantly better. Mm -hmm. And remember when he was like a prospect, he was one of those supposed unicorns. Teams were saying, "Oh, he could probably end up shooting threes and he could block two hundred shots a year and." Yada yada yada, and be an elite rebounder and paint protector, superstar, whatever. Nope, nope, mm-hmm. not not even starting level caliber play. I mean, right. he's still fiddling around the twenty minutes, twenty five minutes mark at most. Yeah. So um, he he's he needs some consistency. He's still just twenty three, so it's not like that he's a finished product. But the upside is severely limited now compared to four or five years ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I'm with you both. I think, A, I don't think the demand is going to be that high uh, because most teams are pretty set at center already. And also the restricted free agent thing tends to cool market as is, especially early in free agency. So I think that will help Phoenix probably get him somewhere in the, like, I would hope for their sake somewhere around $10 million a year. I would be very hesitant to throw, like, a Timofey Mozgov-esque Four years, yeah. sixty-four million at him. Anything above like twelve million a year, and you're starting to get in danger zone. Uh, and for
0: two years, just
2: yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's gonna. He'll be a very interesting test case because they shortened restricted free agency by a day in the new CBA. So it used to be seventy-two hours to match. Now it's forty-eight. So maybe that inspires a little more action. But it'll be very very interesting to see what price he gets this summer and to see if teams learned their lesson from last summer. Uh, I'm with you in terms of I don't know if I'm going to like trade Bledsoe for peanuts, but I think right. there, there will be a team that would like to make a big splash and would probably give up a decent amount for Bledsoe, and, and I think you're right. Because of the injury concerns, uh, I would be fine letting him Detroit? go. Detroit? Yo! Especially I kind of they, like that deal. If they lose KCP.
0: Yeah, and also just for Reggie Jackson insurance because oh. Jackson's just so weird because you know yeah. he's inconsistent as well. But if you get a somewhat healthy Eric Bledsoe who gives you about sixty five games a year, uh huh. I would probably take that over Reggie Jackson in oh, yeah. two games. And or not probably, I would.
2: I mean Jackson was you know, he had the knees hendonitis that lingered the whole year. He's been very uh, hobbled by that. He's probably done yeah. for the season right now. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting one. Like Bledsoe for Jackson plus Detroit's lottery pick this year, which is probably going to end yeah, up in like the 10 to 12 14th.
0: range. Yeah, exactly.
2: Ooh, yeah, that that would be a fun one. All right, let's 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 revisit. the. We're just going to revisit all these teams in a month anyway because it's just going <laughs> to be fun once we see how the lottery picks come out. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, who were, you were, I think the highest of the three of us on, but Sarah, did you have them in the playoffs too? I don't remember. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. So both of you, both (laughs) of you were very excited about the Tom Thibodeau led Timberwolves and they've been a minor disappointment, but honestly, they, they, you know, they dug themselves a pretty big hole early in the year. They've been playing better since, since the all-star break, they're eight and nine. So it's, you know. They're about a, close to a 500 team. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is a beast. I don't think we're going to... There's no objection there, right?
0: No, no. on his way to 2,000 1,000. So on the year at 21 years old? Yeah. No, pretty okay. much agree.
2: He, he's pretty good. Yeah, all right. So Andrew Wiggins is the real... I don't I don't want to say controversial one because the kid's scoring over 20 a game. You know, People know he's going to be a good NBA player. The question is, is he going to be a great NBA player worthy of being a number one overall pick? And that has been the controversy through much of the year. So where where do you stand on Andrew Wiggins? Is he a bust? Is he still a future superstar? Or is it somewhere in between?
0: He's not a bust. Um, The bust thing is something that is going around a little bit. And I I don't agree with the bust label. Mm -hmm. I do think that he's been disappointing overall simply because of the hype. I I thought he would be better. He's a terrible rebounder, not much of a playmaker. He's mostly just a scorer at this point. His defense comes and goes. So that's been disappointing to me given that he's in year three. I would have expected this, you know, maybe in the first and second year, but I thought he would have a tremendous third year. And he's, you know, offensively speaking, you know, I, I can't complain. He's even improved his long ball, so that's good, but... It's just everything else has just stayed the same. So he's probably going to make a a good starter. He's probably going to make a few all-star teams. And then that's about it. Unless he suddenly breaks onto the scene and realizes, well, hey, I have to work more. I have to participate (laughs) defensively. And, oh, wait a second. I'm 6'8 and super athletic. I should be getting more than four rebounds a game.
2: Add more than, like, a steal and half a block and a game.
0: Today. Half a block and, and just two and a half assists. Like, there is no reason whatsoever he couldn't be a 25-5 guy. Right. Yeah, a I think... 25-5-5 guy. Actually. Right,
2: right, right. The, the hope is that he follows the developmental curve of a guy like Jimmy Butler or a guy like even Kawhi, you know, who started... Actually,
0: Grant Hill. Oh. That's the guy that oh. I kind of pictured... When with Wiggins, when he came into the league, that was the type of player I thought he would become.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. We, we yeah. always
0: use current players. We never right. look at the the guys right. from we, uh, twenty years ago. We could go Grant historical. was fantastic. Like Pistons, Grant was amazing, and that's I thought that was the guy they were going to get.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's still possible. As we mentioned, the kid's like twenty one, twenty two years old. He's still super young. I that's think it's right. it's too early to write him
0: off for good. Uh, but yeah, but but Grant was like ten boards, seven assists. Though I right. don't see Wiggins ever reaching that level.
2: No, nor do I. That said, the presence of Towns really takes a lot of the pressure off of Wiggins. He can fall into that complementary role where he doesn't need to be a thirty-point, six-rebound, five-assist guy. If he, if he settles out at like twenty-three points and then you know five rebounds and four assists, that's still great. That like that's probably going to make them a playoff team very soon. So the other question with the Timberwolves right now is Gorgi Jiang, who has been playing next to Towns. He's been playing well, but Sarah, do you think he is the right type of player to put next to Towns long-term? Or do you think that's a position they need to address moving forward?
3: I don't think it's top priority, but I think they definitely could be looking, yeah. Um, He's not exactly an ideal fit, but at the same time, the... The skills that Towns has, you know, it's not hard to fit just about anything Mm -hmm. next to him. Right. Uh, Dang's been playing well for them, ten and eight, a steal and a block in thirty-two minutes. Uh, So it's not a lot of production, but of course he's not their focal point. Um, He he does about eight field goal attempts per game, shoots fifty percent. So that's all fine. (laughs) That's all well and good. Um, But yeah, I, I would keep my eyes open just see what's out there. Um As for Wiggins, I think the tantalizing thing is that he shows flashes, you know, like the other week he defended Kawhi really well, really, really well, better than most people I've seen all season. Uh But you just don't get that 82 games for, from him, not even close. So, right. yeah, he's definitely not a bust, like Mort said, but, you know, you just hope that you get that effort more often. I also love his... um Post up game. There's a lot of potential yeah. there. I yeah. know. I know the to post up is a dead technology, but <laughs> he's, he's really, really nice. There, he has a, a decent, if inconsistent shot. So there's a lot of potential there. I just uh, hope we get to see him reach it.
2: Yeah, and he's gonna. Lord knows, Thibodeau is gonna make him work. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if work ethic was the question, they hired the right coach for that. Uh, Mort, I want to ask you because you're the draft guy. How do you think would Laurie Markkinen from Arizona be a good fit? in there I think they'll probably pick somewhere in that range if he's still on the board.
0: Does a bear shit in the woods. <laughs> okay. So so you're so obviously like look, yeah. Markinen is a he's a gunner, but he's more than just a gunner. This this is what's so beautiful about a potential tandem with him and and towns because both would be able to go inside and outside. Markin, a lot of people think he's he's just like a stretch four. Now, he can he can do the pump fake and dribble his way into a jump shot. He can like pull up from 18, 19 feet potentially outside the three-point line when he develops a little bit more. He's got a legitimate offensive game. I really love that. And uh, to to function to put that in next to Towns would first of all lessen the pressure on Towns and Wiggins so you would have like a third scorer and oh, Actually, a fourth score. If we assume that Levine is going to come back with in full strength, right? So, offensively speaking, Minnesota should just be like, have no concerns whatsoever because they would have shooters at more or less every position, depending on what they do with Ricky Rubio, mm-hmm. who, to his credit, has done very well for himself as of late. Yeah. But no, Markinen would be absolutely amazing in that system. Defensively he would struggle for at least two seasons, so he would see a lot of the bench. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, looking forward to two years, yeah, he he would be fantastic. I, I think what they're gonna do is sign Tosh though. Tosh gets I, I I mean look, it's it's tips, it's Tosh, it's just it's meant to be, right? Oh, so yeah. if they draft Markinen and they they probably sign Taj for, like, two years. Right. And then Markkinen can take over if they get Markkinen. But that yeah. would be a great way of doing it. Like, isn't that just Taj to many? Isn't that just, like, it has to happen in a way? Yeah, that does feel like destiny.
3: It's beautiful. It almost yeah. looks like it's going to bring a tear to your eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, And he's so low maintenance. Like, he'd be perfect. Yeah. He's yeah. going to crash the boards. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And he loves tips. Like, he doesn't mind when tips, he screams at him. He was like, right. Thank you. Can I have more, please? He's just, yeah, Tash right. is amazing. So, and, and I think for for Minnesota, getting Tash in would be perfect because they're, they're so young. And here we have like a 31, 32 year old guy coming in who is tough nosed, gone on playoff runs, yeah. been with tips before. And he, he'll come in and he'll look those young guys in the eyes and go, Hey, are you complaining? Shut the hell up! Right, I've I've been with that guy for five years or however long time he was there. You know, I'm doing fine. So, you know, quit your complaining and just get to work. I mean, I was a nobody. I was drafted 26. Look what he made me.
2: That would yeah. He would be. He would definitely give that that veteran leadership thing, which is which you know often overrated because look at like uh, (laughs) the Lakers said Llewell Degg for veteran leadership Uh, and now they're paying him 18 million a year until 2019 2020
0: for it but Taj would be so good there yeah
2: if you get Taj for two years at a reasonable price that would be that would be a good fit two years 20 are are you guys are you guys both still in on the Timberwolves long term you could see them in the playoffs next year Mm yup okay Yeah. me too me too okay So let's move on to the Mavericks, who I'm still bitter because they stole New Noel for very little. Uh, Thank you, Brian Colangelo, by the way. It really looks like that top 18 18 protected first-round pick is going to convey. Thanks a lot, buddy. Um, So, Sarah, I need to ask you this since you are a big man expert. Noel is going to be a restricted free agent this summer. Do you think they have to match any offer sheet that he receives, even if it's a max?
3: It's rough if it's a max because you know he's played so little, but yeah, I feel like you do oh, okay. have to. I, he kind of fell in their lap, <laughs> and uh, you gotta hang on to him. So, yeah, you gotta go for it.
2: Yeah, do you like what you've seen out of him so far in Dallas?
3: Yeah, yeah, he's looked good for him. Um, I I know that. Well, I'll let you get into the the rest of your questions about Dallas, but uh,
1: okay, okay. You know,
3: seems like seems like Dirk's gonna. He says he's going to be around for a few more years. So, right. Yeah, I love that that mix.
2: Okay, so mm-hmm. Mort, I'm going to throw this one to you because you are our noted Seth Curry stan. Uh, yeah. So th- they've been building, you know, they at the trade deadline or after the trade deadline when they couldn't find a taker for Darren Williams, they waived him and they, you know, traded Bogut, but they were probably going to waive him if they didn't. And they did so to give more minutes to Seth Curry, to Yogi Ferrell. To some of their younger guys, do you think that's the right way for them to go with Dirk on his way out, or do you think they should try to make one more playoff push to let Dirk go out on a high note?
0: Look, I've fallen in love with what Dallas is doing, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. <laughs> I am so biased. I love what they're doing. I mean, I am so jealous. they are because they, they're they're just picking up these really, really cheap guys and they're giving them the ball. And they have Rick Carlisle on the sideline who is just he one of the best coaches in the league. And and he's on board. He knows the system. He knows their plan. He's like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna get a rookie in here. That's fine. I'm gonna give him the ball. I'm gonna teach him the game. I'm gonna give him some chances to develop. Look, I mean the results speak from themselves. I mean Jogi Farrell, even though he's cooled down a bit, still eleven and a half points, four rebounds, three or sorry, four assists, three rebounds. 44 from downtown almost 90 from the line i mean this guy is at the very least is gonna carve himself out a very nice nba career and you get him for peanuts seth curry great deal and i mean look i i still don't understand how seth curry can get two years six million it's so ridiculous i mean i'm i'm pretty certain that mark cuban and the whole team were just clapping in their hands when when he agreed to sign for that for that deal. I mean, so I I love the fact that they're doing it this way because the guys they bring in are playable now, Mm -hmm. not like three years from now. So you give Dirk immediate help, but you also open the door for those guys to get better down the line. So they're playing both ends, but not in a bad way. Not like, you know, the bulls are doing it like, Oh, we have one (laughs) foot in the camp of veterans and one foot in the camp of youngsters. Uh, You know, and you know, actually a few teams does that, but Dallas doesn't. They right. they somehow make it harmonious.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to the question I asked Sarah about Nerlens, I you know I, I'm with her in that they have to sign him. However much, like you didn't make that trade if you weren't going to match whatever he receives. Oh, and obviously. It's, and it's the yeah. same same thing. You know, you want, or well, you're hoping that because he's a restricted free agent, that cools interest in him a little bit. Maybe you just offer mm. him four years, eighty million right off the bat, and just call it a day, and hope he takes it. Um But yeah, Where's I, am, you know, as <laughs> as someone who followed a team ma- mostly of D League guys for the last four years, I am also a big fan of what Dallas is doing because, yeah, like that's that's how you harness value, and as you said, more, it's not like these guys can't play in the NBA. It's not like you know they're just a bunch of guys on ten day contracts who will never be heard from again. Like Seth Curry. Is going to get a massive payday in 2018 when he becomes a free agent again. Oh, absolutely. He just he just somehow snuck under the radar and Dallas picked him up. And you know, to your credit, when that signing happened, you were like horrified. <laughs> you, I, yep. you, everyone could go back and listen to our podcast, our free agency recap, because more specifically called out that deal and said, "Look, this is it has the potential to be one of the best of the summer." Um, no, I,
0: ser- seriously, even when he, uh, the, he agreed to split with the kings, even when that happened, I was like, are you stupid, Sacramento? Oh, of course, <laughs> yes, you are. But that's like, <laughs> you are giving away gold right there. Right. I, it, it just, it, I, to me, it was so obvious because the shooting stroke alone allows him to create all that space. He's yeah. got the creativity. I mean, it, and it's not just, oh, he's Steph's younger brother, which I think uh, so many fell into that trap. Like, oh. You know, younger brothers don't ever work out. No, screw what history had taught you. It's mm-hmm. not about that. It's about his game, and the fact that he could shoot as well as he could. The the way he just kept having these great games in Sacramento, like going and going and going, but not getting the minutes. It, I was just flabbergasted that he got six mil- million total. It's not even per year, Brian. Right. It's I total.
2: Know. <laughs> I know. When we saw it, we were like, we were both like, "Wait, that's six million per year, right?" Oh, yeah oh no oh no Oh no. okay cool yeah uh so sarah do you think this team you know as currently constructed they're gonna add again like a top 10 12 pick somewhere around there do you think they can contend for a playoff spot next year without adding too many pieces
3: well you know i had them making it this year so <laughs> as did i <laughs> so yeah i mean yeah pretty much i think they could probably use a small forward um they, yeah, they definitely need to add a piece or two, but without adding a lot, yeah, they can contend. I mean, they came on strong at the end of this year last, at the end of this year, like they seem to do every year. Mm-hmm. Um, they just were a little late, and yeah, you know, they can't really catch the the Blazers or the Nuggets now. But right, they they came on strong for a while there and looked like a threat. So I, I never bet against Carlisle or the Mavericks anymore.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. That that is it's really outside of Pop. There is Wizard Magic. Just it's all in Texas. The entire state of Texas has NBA <laughs> Wizard Magic right now. All right, let's move on. Where you you mentioned this last team uh, a minute or two ago, the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Uh, you know they traded DeMarcus Cousins the, the Sunday of All Star Weekend, as we all know. Uh, they did not get as much value as you would expect in return. Uh, that said, Buddy Hield has been playing pretty well for them. You know that. Vivek reportedly compared him to Steph Curry, which might have been an over <laughs> shooting a little too high, but he has been showing more flashes uh, than he did in New Orleans, at least. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein and Scala Bissieri have both been playing well. So, more. do you think, uh, should Kings fans be hopeful for the future right now?
0: I mean, if they get Sam Hinkie, they should.
2: Uh, <laughs> all right, let's... Let's just we go need to talk it. about that, stream. Right Let's just it. go. Let's get right it. into
0: it because that's where it's leading. I mean, uh, come on.
2: All right. So on Monday, <laughs> I think it was Monday. Uh, ESPN's Mark Stein and Zach Lowe reported the Kigs have quote expressed exploratory interest in Sam Hinkie. Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical then reported uh, Vivek Ranadive, the team owner has shown interest in finding a front office executive to usurp Vlade Divac's authority and turn the franchise's general manager into a figurehead. The Kings quickly said they were not hiring Hinkie and had no plans to bring in anyone above Vlade, but Woj immediately tweeted that that was not true and that they most certainly are doing so. So, Mort, there you go. Is your confidence in the Kings tied to... Who's running the franchise, or do you think the young pieces they have in place?
0: Obviously. Well, How can you ask me that?
2: Well, like,
0: look at what they have
2: right now. But, but, okay, let me rephrase. Are the young pieces in place good enough that even if if Vlade stays in charge, you know, should Kings fans be hopeful for the future? Oh God, no. <laughs> no. Okay, so they so no. they need Henke, or they're just going oh. to hell.
0: They they need Hinky like so bad. I mean, okay. I could be in the desert for fourteen days without water and they would still need Hinky more than I would need water. So <laughs> I mean look. Can we agree on one thing? Like this this has all become a thing because Vivek has finally gotten around to checking his app, like the pocket app and read Sam the Sam Hinky piece from SI.com. Yeah. And then he's all like, Oh, this guy's great and <laughs> trying to make it a thing. Yeah. Like, this is where we're at. Like, a couple days ago, he read the article, and now he's all in. Right. I, I mean, because I can't imagine this This is coming out of thin air. This seems yeah. weird. But no, they they need Hinky. They need someone who's kind of come in and use the system to their advantage and to, know, you know, like, not mess things up. Like, a guy who's actually intelligent in terms of NBA dealings. That and that's not a slight on Vladi. It's fair. He didn't know coming right. in. Right. Uh, but but I mean he, he hasn't acquired that knowledge yet. And that that's why he should have never put been put in that position of power. It was just way too much, way too soon. Mm-hmm. Hinky would be perfect. And yeah. like I've said on multiple occasions, I would give Hinky not the general manager slot. I would make him team president and I would go all out of my way to hire Mike Saren as my GM. I would yeah. have Hinky and Saren work in harmony and I would watch my I would sit back and watch my team flourish for the next ten goddamn seasons.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well I mean we should mention too that you know the figurehead <laughs> Magic Johnson is a figurehead for the Lakers right now, effectively. Yep. At least in terms of the day to day operation of the franchise. Like he has final say over stuff, but he brought in Rob Polinka to handle complex cba negotiations and you know the intricacies that take years to learn so if they brought in a guy like hinky and divach is the you know the guy who has to like go speak to the media and hinky just gets to do his thing behind the scenes that's not necessarily like bad or unprecedented you know the lakers Uh, are doing it
0: it isn't bad yeah last time vladi spoke to the media he (laughs) mentioned that (laughs) they had a better offer two days ago come on right
2: right there is that yeah so maybe maybe just don't have any of them speak to the media. <laughs> I will say this. The only, has to go. the only thing I'm going to say about Hickey to the Kings, aside from I don't want him to take it for two reasons. One of them is selfish. The Sixers own the Kings' 2019 first-round pick unprotected. It worries me that Sam Hinky could make the Kings far better than I think they will otherwise be in two years. So for the Sixers' sake, I hope he does not take the job. For Hinky's sake. <laughs>
0: for
2: you're hinkey's so, you're sake. so
0: impossible, man. Well, but
2: here's here's what I'm... For Hinky's sake, too. I, I mean, there's no guarantee another job is going to open up, but it seems like Basketball Insiders had a piece the other day about some places that might have turnover. It sounds like New Orleans will, or New Orleans might. Um, Orlando will. Uh, they mentioned Sacramento as well. It seems like there are going to be at least two or three GM jobs opening up. If you're gonna my fear with Hinckley is twofold. If you're gonna just do the process again you need an ownership group in place that is patient and that can like sit through three or four you know intentional seasons of losing to a crew draft picks especially because the Kings have shipped out a lot of draft capital already. Um, Mm -hmm. Nothing we've seen from the Kings suggest they have that type of patience. Two, I don't want Hinky to get typecast as this tank artist. Like, I think he could... I I think when he inherited Philly, it made sense because they had traded Andrew Bynum, they had nothing in terms of valuable assets, they had traded a couple future first-round picks, he needed to replenish their young talent pipeline, which he even said in his resignation letter. He said, like, your crops had been eaten. If he goes to Sacramento, he has Buddy Heald, he has Willie Colleystein, he has Skull, he has Poppy Giannis. Like, he has some young talent. So maybe he doesn't go down that road. But I'd like to see him in or- in Orlando or in the New Orleans where he's got, you know, if in New Orleans he has Boogie and Anthony Davis and he can reside Drew oh, Holiday. Throw me a
0: bone here, Brian.
2: What? Okay. Chicago. Come on. Or Chicago, yeah. Well, but then. <laughs> Thank you. But if he inherits Chicago, then he's going to trade away Jimmy Butler and he's going to get the tech artist reputation again. So. That worries me for him. But I, yeah. I just think there will be better spots for him to land than Sacramento. And I'm also selfish and really want that Kings pick to be number one in 2019. So you know, don't, don't you know betray us, Sam.
0: You know what's fun? If you search Sam Hinky on Google, right? Uh-huh. One of the results that comes up is an article entitled, Why Can't Philadelphia Get Over Sam com. I,
2: I read that, yeah.
0: Yeah. But... It's, that it's article,
2: so that article is about. It's like a pro-process article. It's like they can't get over it because it was really smart. And that was yeah. <laughs> because they like we don't want these BS like half efforts. We don't we like Philadelphia and Sarah. You could vouch for this. We had the Eagles' dream team a couple years ago where we went all out <laughs> on free agency. We're like we're going to feign competitiveness, and then we sucked, and it led to the Chip Kelly era. We've been through these short-term. Like win now stuff. We liked the long-term planning. It just got knee-capped about two-thirds of the way through. Uh, okay, now that's our weekly Sam Hankey rant. Sarah, <laughs> I want to turn this back to the Kings' assets, the current assets. Since Morton blew off my question, mm-hmm. do do you <laughs> think what you see out of Willie Cauley-Stein and Skull uh, since the All-Star break? Do you think those guys have the potential to be the Kings' front court of the future?
3: I think they do. Um, They've certainly responded well to more minutes. Um, Both guys have had career highs, you know, within almost the last month since the trade happened. Yeah, you got freaking Collie Steinman off for 29, Scowl for 32. Mm -hmm. So, they're definitely, I mean, they're not like super skilled, obviously, like Boogie. You're not going to fill that hole right away, but... But good roll guys, good finishers. Scout Labissiere has some incredible length. That's <laughs> there's a lot of potential there. Uh, I like those guys a lot. I think they have reason to be excited, and they're certainly perfect for now. You see what you have, and you know in the future you can look elsewhere. But but I think they're they're good to roll with those guys for right now. I also want to agree with you about Hinky that I mentioned before that I think no matter who you bring in, as long as Rana Dive is still there you're going to have some issues. So yeah. I don't think that would be the best move for him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, knock on wood more. It seems like you are more skeptical about the WCS and skull trade than I'm with you, Sarah. Well, I, I think they're, you know, they, they are great for what the Kings need right now. And I think
3: mm-hmm.
2: they, you know, they, I'm not out on them, but more, the, the Kings are probably going to have two top 10 picks as well. Do you, think, <laughs> yeah. do you think they should go to the front court? Well, and you know, keep keep, keep <laughs> oh, drafting <God>. big men, <laughs> or are there other no. positions you'd like to see them fill?
0: Oh, I would love love to see them get a, a point guard.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and there will be plenty, right? Like, uh, I mean, Ball and Faults will be gone, but in that yeah, range, yeah. you could have Dennis Smith Jr., De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron who Fox. played really well against Lonzo Ball. You yeah. got Nikita Okina a little bit further down the board, but if they like yeah. him. So,
0: yeah, a strong defensive guard, six, five, great strength, you know, great size, just a little bit on the skinny side. But no, I mean, just I want a guy in there who can handle the ball and make decisions because, look, the entire team is a revolving door. Right. And and this time, I mean, you guys are trying. I I kind of appreciate what you guys are doing. You're trying to find a silver lining and stay upbeat for potential Kings <laughs> fans, and I like that. You, you're doing God's work here. But <laughs> Willie Cauley Stein and Scala-Bissier, is that what we're putting our hopes in right now? <laughs> Buddy Heald is okay. You're damn
3: straight, I- Morton. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, come on, you came up to Marcus Cousins. Like, look. They should have gotten so much more in return from that package. I've just i i i haven't stopped laughing since that deal. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, they just got like you know the term sixty cents on a dollar. They got yeah. like five cents. They got a nickel. I
2: uh, see. It's, I want I want to come to their defense. I mean, I'm not going to defend that trade because I'm right with you. I mean, that sixty cents seems ambitious. Yeah, they really did get a dime, maybe at best. Oh, yeah, but- maybe a dime. Yeah. It, it this, a similar thing has happened in Philly with the New Orleans trade, the like one of the positive side effects of that trade is that it opens minutes for the other guys. So for Philly, mm-hmm. trading New Orleans led to Rashawn Holmes actually getting in the rotation, and now he's proving who's
0: a lot better than both guys here,
2: right? <laughs> right. But the point is, like, it's given them a chance to actually show what they can do. I mean, Willie right. Cauley Stein is now halfway through his rookie deal. Uh, earlier in like mid. January, he spoke with the Sacramento Bee and he was just like, I don't, I'm like really frustrated because I thought I was taking a lot of steps forward last year and he did. He played pretty well toward the end of last season and then he just completely fell out of the rotation this year because they had, they had him behind, uh, DeMarcus and Costa Cufas. So now he's starting to actually get minutes and he's starting to look like a legitimate piece. I, you know, he's not a superstar, he's not DeMarcus Cousins, but he's, Right. He is a starting caliber center. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. So I, I, you know, yes, they should have gotten more for Boogie, but I feel like they have shown enough. That three man tandem in particular, Skull, Kali, Stein, and Heald, have shown enough that, like, yeah, if the Kings. Do bring in a general manager who knows, you know what the stretch provision is, and like that like, you have to, you have to make calls to actually make trades official. Like, yeah, I think there there is reason for optimism in Sacramento, even though, you know, you would think it would take a half decade to rebuild from losing a superstar like Cousins.
0: Yeah, I I'm, I just don't know if I'm there. I mean, look, I get what you're saying, and I have seen the the development Willie Cauley Stein. I'm just not sure the development is. That's that development is enough i mean i'm 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 missing a lot more from him he's he's shooting everything from within six feet more or less he's what 23 already so mm-hmm. the amount of potential is somewhat limited yeah scallop is here is another story though i mean only 20 he's got a little bit of range to him so that's the guy i would put more x in the basket for mm-hmm. healed is what is he already 24 are we already nearing oh, that, or bad. is he just turned? I think oh, sorry, twenty-three. 23. Yeah. still, but it, so it's it's older young guys. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So they're closer to <laughs> the ceiling is the roof. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Yeah. Uh, so they're closer to that, and that that's partly why I'm skeptical. Had Buddy Heal been nineteen or twenty? Mm-hmm. Damn. I mean, I yeah. I would have I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Same went from for, for uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. But I've just... I'm not there. I don't... I'm not impressed by that that talent level overall. I mean... Maybe it's because it's the Kings. I just expect right. them to right. screw it up. Maybe it's because of that. I yeah. mean, whenever they have someone... And, like, a high draft. Remember Thomas Robinson?
2: Yeah, I know. Like he, when he I came know. out
0: of Kansas, he looked fantastic in Kansas. Then yeah. he went to Sacramento, and now he's he's never, like, he never found a footing, and he's still, like, a journeyman today. Right. I still think if he had been drafted by anyone else, he would have been a legitimate starter at the yeah. four spot.
2: I mean, their, their recent draft history is something certainly to be concerned about because in all likelihood... You know, unless the Pelicans get a top three pick, they're going to get the Pelicans pick this year. So, right. in all likelihood, they're going to have two top ten picks. As you mentioned, one of them you have to assume is going to go to a point guard, whether it's Smith, Fox, and Tilakina. The other one, who knows? Like maybe, maybe they get a small forward. You know, maybe they get lucky and Jason Tatum falls a little bit, and they can get him to replace Rudy Gay. But you know, look at their recent draft history of, uh, as you mentioned, Robinson was yeah. fifth. Uh, ben McElmoore was seventh or eighth. Seventh, seventh. Yeah. Nick Stauskas was eighth. They traded him. Nick to Rocks. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. So, I think that goes back to what Sarah's saying. As long as Vivek is there, it almost doesn't matter who they bring in as general manager and which players they, you know, which players their draft guys go after because there's still Vivek at the top, and it seems like he's uh, he meddles a little bit too much for his own good. Uh, but I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about Sacramento, at least much more than I was a month ago. I will say that
0: much. You're a better band than I. Yeah. Nick rocked for one season, by the way. Yeah. Hold
2: right, I know. And then Sam Hickey took him. It <laughs> <They laughs> would all come full circle. Uh all right, so let's let's move on. One thing in the Where Amazing Happens segment this week. Possibly the most amazing news we've had since the All Star break. Lance Stevenson is back. In Indianapolis, he signed a three-year deal uh, for $12 million. The first two years are guaranteed, and there is a team option on the third, according to ESPN's Chris Haynes. They opened the roster spot by waving Rodney Stuckey, who had a patellar tendon injury, I believe. Um, and it actually, fun cap note, is he had a player option for $7 million next season, but because they waived him before the end of the regular season, that is now off the books. So that this actually freed up an extra three million in cap space for them, for all of you CBA nerds out there, um, which could help. You know, whatever they, de- whichever road they decide to take with Paul George this summer, it could help them get someone. You know, who knows? We'll we'll go th- we'll go there in a couple weeks. Um, but Sarah, what, what do you expect from Lance Part Two in Indiana? <laughs>
3: There's, there's no way to tell, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's Lance, so it could be anything. I'm just expecting chaos.
1: Yeah.
3: You know? <laughs> although it would be nice to, to see him bounce back. Um, it's just a shame, you know, when betting on yourself goes yeah. sideways a little bit. <laughs> right. but, but yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see the alternate timeline where he stays in Indiana. Oh, me too. He never leaves, Yeah. although, yeah that happens. I mean, I'd like to see the one where Stephen Jackson stays with the Spurs after O three, 3 mm-hmm. But yeah. then we probably never get the We Believe Warriors, and, you know, I don't want to live in that world either, so <laughs> right. I'll, I'll take what we have.
2: Yeah. Uh, Moit, how, how are you feeling about the Lance reconnection with Paul George? Do you think this is going to be the, the thing that convinces Paul George to stay? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who were they... Bidding against, yeah, that's the real question here. Right. I mean, I get that the last year is non-guaranteed and this year is practically over, so mm-hmm. it's only a one-year deal. Like, in, when you look at it, yeah. But like, who the hell were they bidding against? Give him the minimum and see if it works out. I mean, no reason to give him all that dough. Uh, it. it I, I think that was a nostalgic move, mm-hmm. and that was about it. I mean, and it's sort of this, his last chance really at sticking isn't it like the place he found success and if that doesn't work out he's like hello china
2: right but now frank vogel is not there the coach that he actually had the success exactly so Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, it's, it's like, was it the uniform that made him good? Or was it Frank Vogel system next to George Hill and Roy Hibbert, David West and Paul George? Was it,
0: you know, it's, it's Lance. It could be the donuts they sell at the corner. We don't (laughs) know. I mean, look, it's, but, but okay. To be fair, I was never like a big Stevenson fan when he Mm -hmm. went into free agency. Like everyone was like, Oh, we should just throw so, so much money at him. No. No, I mean, I I never got it. He was he was not like the best of shooters. He was a problem on the court almost all the time, and yeah, he had carte blanche all the time. So his stats were inflated as hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I'm not, I'm really not digging the move. I it seems like just a, a minor signing, and then if he works out, he works out in in a limited capacity, and that's it.
2: Yeah, I think Mark Deeks, uh, who who still runs Sham Sports, and he's a great UK reporter out there. Um, he was also on Twitter just railing against. He was bringing up that same point where, like, who were they bidding against? The dude was on 10-day wow. deals for much of the season. Like, why? Why are you giving him four million a year next year?
3: Probably Portland. I think Portland was going to offer him four years, seventy million. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Savage.
2: <laughs> wow. Sorry, was... Blazers fans.
3: I don't yeah. even know why I did that. I like Blazers fans. This is wildly swinging right now. That because was...
0: deep down, you're evil, Sarah. Ooh, we all know it.
3: That's yeah. what keeps being revealed. Yeah. You, you yeah.
2: just wanted to plug my worst contracts piece that I wrote this there week. There you go. Where Evan Good Turner, segue. Evan Turner <laughs> makes an honorable mention. He doesn't even crack the top five. Uh, here's my hot take for Lance. We'll talk more about Indiana next week, because I don't care... Who makes the playoffs out of Indiana and Chicago? We're doing the postmortem for them next week. I, I just don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> both teams deserve to die. Basically, that's yeah. that's my hot take. Yeah. But I I think Indiana trades Paul George this summer. Lance is going to be this year's version of Dion Waiters next year. He's going to play on a low expectations team. It's going to be a guy who like NBA Twitter is rationally in love with. And because there are no expectations, he's going to gun for like fifteen shots a game, and all of a sudden he's going to look like a superstar again, and then he's going to get wildly overpaid, <laughs> whatever he becomes a free agent.
0: By the Knicks,
2: yeah, by the Knicks or the Kings
0: or the Kings, yeah. yeah.
2: Once they sour on Buddy Hield, yeah. Okay, uh, let's let's wrap things up this week before we lose any more Portland Trail Blazers fans <laughs> with with our crushes of the week. These are guys who do not get the attention that they deserve. So, Sarah, I'm going to start with you and hope you chose Alan Crabb for, <laughs> to make amends. <events. laughs>
3: I should have. <laughs> uh, I actually picked Kuzminskas. Oh, okay. As, um, not really for any like numbers recently, although he had a really nice game against the Spurs. Um, but just get, getting to see him up close like that, get a good look at him. He's got some game. Uh, honestly, I think he should probably be playing more than 14 minutes a night, at least a little bit. Um, they should be <laughs> investing in the future in New York, but but he's he's got some shooting. He's, he can pass. He threw some no-look passes the other day. I was like, okay. So I like this guy. I think he's got a good future.
2: I like that call. And we, it was so we should mention uh, Carmelo Anthony, I think, yeah, I don't remember what day it was but a, a day or two ago he had some comments that were like basically I see what's going on here I don't even know what my role is in New York so again <laughs> seems like Kuzminkas could be in for a bigger <laughs> role next year because it sounds like Carmelo Anthony is starting to make peace with uh, you know he, he could be on his way out of New York so that's mm-hmm. it's a good call we need to learn how to pronounce his name by next year that's the real trick
0: Definitely. Daukis <laughs> Kusminskas.
2: Oh, there. You, all right, we have a European on the podcast. <laughs> we, that's, Mort. Will be our official, our official pronunciation guide for him. Uh, Mort, who is your crush of the week?
0: So I put a lot of thought into this. Okay. Um, I, I I was thinking back to when I had crushes when I was a teenager, <laughs> okay. and yeah, I mean. I, and the type of girl I would always get a crush on was the type of girl who could make me laugh. That was very important to me. If you could mm-hmm. make me laugh, that that was a big thing.
2: Okay.
0: So I was kind of looking at the NBA, and what makes me laugh the most right now is Cleveland's defense.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just See, left. I'm not the evil one. See, so he went on Kings fans, and now Cleveland. I know.
2: So. He had this whole setup, too. That that was premeditated mm-hmm. murder, Morton. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I w- I will I will not confirm or deny that.
2: <laughs> that's so. That's an anti-crush. I would say you are. Well, I guess it is a crush because your bulls, your TNT bulls, got to continue their streak because they got to play Cleveland's defense. Yeah, outside.
0: walked into right into that one.
2: Yeah, you sure yeah. did.
0: But look, I, I I took Nico last last week. Can't yeah. I can't take him again? I mean, and he's been better. So he, Nico is
2: I, because you took him last week. He is not mine this week. But let it be known, he is my crush this week because I'm going to win four fantasy basketball titles, and it's going to be because of Nikola Miritich, (laughs) who has hit six threes in back to back games. I wrote a thing for FanRag on Thursday saying to pick him up, and then he made me look really smart. So I'm very, very thrilled with Mr. Miritich. Uh, All right, I'm going to be nice with my crush of the week, unlike Morton. I'm going with Greg Monroe, who, you know, it, it, it looked dicey for Mr. Monroe early in the year he was just not playing all that well for the first two months just seems like jason kidd didn't really know how to use him best since the all-star or er, not sorry yeah since the all-star break in 25 minutes a game he's averaging 13.2 points 6.5 rebounds 2.8 assists uh, 0.8 steals 0.6 blocks the bucks since the all-star break are 14 and 6 they are hard charging into the playoffs uh, i think it's pretty safe to say they're going to make it and more kudos to you because you were the only one of us who saw that coming uh and he's got the fourth best net rating on the bucks only behind jason terry Teletovich, and chris middleton the best i did not see that
0: coming though yeah i know
2: <laughs> the the best uh when he's off the court opponents outscore the bucks by 2.8 points per 100 possessions so he's playing really well like we you know this has been a constant theme throughout the year we talk about How these, like, back-to-the-basket big men have, you know, instead they're not completely extinct, but putting them on the second unit is the best way to utilize them. And it really seems like Monroe is now the shining example of that. Like, they have really figured out how to use him well. Or I guess Monroe and Pau Gasol were for the Spurs, too. Um, They've really figured out how to utilize those guys, and they can build their second units around them. They can feature them very heavily, but they also have guys like, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton who's been playing really well. Brogton's been playing really well. I you know, if I'm if I'm any one of the top four East teams, Milwaukee is the one team in there that worries me. That's the I don't care about Atlanta, I don't care about Indiana, I don't care about Miami, I don't care about Chicago, whoever comes out of that eight seed yeah. garbage. But Milwaukee is the one team I am actively trying to avoid because they've got now four guys playing very well itovic has been bad for most of the year but now that Michael Beasley's hurt, he's starting to knock down some threes with more regularity. I don't know I if I'm whenever the Eastern Conference bracket comes out, that's whoever Milwaukee plays is the one team I'm gonna be eyeing as an upset.
0: Can I add a note on Monroe yeah please do one of the th- one of the things uh, one of the reasons as to why it works with him coming off the bench and him getting minutes mm-hmm. and being productive is also because he can pass he's yeah. a very very clever passer mm-hmm. so he's not this black hole like Al Jefferson for example right and, and and that just means so much when you have guys around him who can score themselves so he can sort of be weaved into the offense without really being a liability. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'm digging what Milwaukee is doing, but you also have to give him credit for his his fundamental skill set, which is just so solid. Like, he's not a defender, and he's not a shooter, and those are the drawbacks. But, like, he's got virtually everything else.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be, you know, we mentioned Alex Land being a, an interesting test case in free agency this summer. Monroe has a player option that he could decline, so he could become a free agent yeah. as well. And... You know, there there is speculation that the salary bubble is going to burst next summer because the cap isn't supposed to raise all that much. So it might behoove him actually to get opt out this summer, sign a long term deal, and lock a big salary in place. So it'll be it'll, it'll be fun to see him in the playoffs, but then also I'm sure we'll be mentioning him as we get toward free agency and see what how he which way he goes there uh so that's gonna do it this week for the nba podcast again we'd like to thank you for joining us apologize as always to kings fans but also <laughs> portland and Cavs fans this time uh just a reminder you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod all three of our twitter handles are in the bio so give us a follow as well uh check us out on itunes we'd love it if you subscribe downloaded leave some reviews and then we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports and at FanRag NBA. I'm Brian Tuporik, and as always, I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Take care, you two.
1: Likewise, Brian. You too